Hello and welcome to Accent of Women, a show by and about women from diverse cultures and languages right across the world. I'm Giselle Hanna. The brutality of the military dictatorships in Myanmar and Thailand have continued, with further arrests, use of water cannon and live ammunition in the streets. Last week on the show, I told you about an international solidarity campaign that has started against the militarisation of these two countries, with activists from Australia, Malaysia, New Zealand, Japan, South Korea, Thailand, Indonesia, Finland and Germany. Last week I told you that the International Solidarity Campaign hosted a public meeting with speakers from right across the region to talk about what's happening in Thailand and Myanmar. And in that show, I brought you two of those speeches. This week, I'm going to bring two more of those speeches. So to start off with, we hear from a Thai exile currently based in Berlin. Lek Yimpraset is facing charges of les majeste for her trade union and civil society work in Thailand and continues to fight for a democratic Thailand while she's in exile. Hi, hello everyone and thank you Giselle for organizing uh, this meeting. And since there are a lot of people who are working on this area uh, in this room, we won't uh, spend so much time of greeting. We all knowing each other and what we have been doing. I think I just uh, first uh, just tell you about what is going on in Thailand right now, especially for the past uh, one year, the protests in Thailand and broke off, uh, broke out in on 23rd of February last year uh, in response to the dissolutions of a political party uh, we call Future Forward with have six million voters, you know? And then I think that is kind of like an awakening to the Thai people to realize how their vote right can be diminished by only eight people who are sitting in the Thai constitution court. You know, I think that is a kind of like alarming for the youth people uh, to start realize of how um, so foundation of democracy in Thailand was not uh, less strong, uh, was not uh, strong. And then uh, uh, it's kind of like huge protest for over a month with thousands of youth and students and it's uh, dispersed to 40, uh, 50, Province on over Thailand, especially to many of the universities and school campus, and then by Junta uh, exercise uh, COVID lockdown with uh, with the state of emergency law, um, and so the but situation was getting intense. So on 18 July, after the abductions of one political dissident uh, from Cambodia, youth uh, emerged again in a larger crowds and in a much more strong message uh, to openly you know, discuss not just about as the, uh, the right have been robbed, but about the future of their generation. Uh, the hashtag, the let it end in our generations has become dominance uh, for since July last year. And the youth and the students, we can see that it's starting from primary school to secondary school to universities all take part in, uh, uh, in protests. You know, the message uh, hanging from the school corridors and, and to the influence of the palace for the past. And, and then uh, the, 
the demand, I think that uh, now we have one of the key uh, protesters from Thailand. He said, I won't go into detail, she will tell, but, but that protest is breaking the taboos of untouchable institution, which is the monarchy. So there is compound demands, uh, stress uh, directly of the roles of the monarchy in interventions, in jeopardizing the democratic process, in wielding immensely, immensely power of influence into the Thai politics. Um, so, so since uh, July, uh, the demands of the youth and the engagements of the citizens of Thailand has been expanding widely in, into the current situation. So what is now um, the king, has been living in Germany since more or less since 2007, you know, since he was the crown prince. And during the time <coughs> that he has named king, which is from October 2016, he most of the time stay in Germany. But last year, when he was facing with the protests, both in Germany, like in Germany, act for them, an organization called Pixel Helper from Germany, we have protests. Uh, against the king since May last year, right? Projecting of the words and messages to the king himself at his residence in M Munich, um, Germany. And in Thailand, the protest broke up. So there is a, a lot of movement from the king himself uh, to try to stop the protest. Uh, like he is now centralized uh, his power to control the strongest army unit in Bangkok he is now having his people control the police. And as you can see that since he returned to Thailand in October 10, the last year, the police and military had exercised uh, heavier uh, suppressions toward the demonstrations. They're using uh, hundreds, uh, they besides from using the arrest warrant, arrest them from home, detaining in the police uh, detention center, sending them to the many of the uh, uh, prince, prisons uh, and not allow bail. They start using directly uh, tear gas, water canals, uh, life bullet uh, against the protesters. And more and more there are people who are kind of like uh, injured from these protests. So since the king returns until now, there are nearly 200 legal cases against these uh, protest leaders. And all of the key leaders who announced for, uh, for the monarchy reform now in prisons, many of them now are on hunger strike. And already now, since uh, the 4th of uh, April this year, the loyalists Moth, the moth that has been giving a green light from the monarchy start uh, to demonstrate in Bangkok uh, to stop the number third demand of the student, which is reform of the monarchy, kick it out of the political platform of the protester. This is a new attempt that happened in Thailand now by the monarchies, by the uh, military and the monarchy camps. And on community radio stations right across Australia, you're listening to Accent of Women. This week's show is about the international anti-military solidarity campaign with Myanmar and Thailand. Coming up next is Hui Yin, a leader representative of the Malaysian Human Rights Network. This is an initiative of young people in Malaysia.
Good afternoon, everyone. Salam democracy. My name is Yen. I'm from Malaysia and I represent an NGO called the Malaysian Human Rights Network, known as Jaringan Ha Asasi Manusia in Malay. We currently have 10 local grassroots NGOs under the umbrella of this network, which our main focus are the advocacy and promotion of human rights principles with reference to the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. So on behalf of members of Malaysian Human Rights Network, we condemn the brutality of the military junta in Myanmar and their total ignorance of fundamental human rights stated in international laws. More than 600 innocent lives have lost and many are arbitrarily detained. So we, this should not have happened because Myanmar have been enjoying the fruits of the democracy despite numerous challenges in the country for a decade before the military coup took place on 1st of February. So all these events have been a constant reminder to many people around the world, especially of those defying the powers of political dictators, and that include us as well here in Malaysia, because this could happen to us too if we are not holding strong to principles of democracy and upholding the human rights. So we understand that uh, leaders of ASEAN are due to meet in Brunei. We demand that these leaders put forth the restoration of democratic system in Myanmar and Thailand and other ASEAN countries as their main agenda in this meeting. So um, back here in Malaysia, our fellow CSOs have carried out a number of solidarity activities um, such as an online candle vigil to show solidarity support for the people of Myanmar on 23rd of March, uh, which we also uh, able to invite speakers from Myanmar and also speakers from Thailand uh, were present. We also have our fellow CSOs handing memorandum to Myanmar Embassy on 31st March, uh, which one of the members are present in this meeting to uh, Mr. Sivaraja from Party Socialist Malaysia. Uh, all these events and activities are important to amplify the dire situation and collapse of democratic system in Myanmar. Therefore, uh, we shall and must continue stand in solidarity with Myanmar to call for the end of military dictatorship and violence, and above all, in line of principles hold by Malaysian Human Rights Network to end torture and killing of innocent people. Thank you. Our final speaker today is Debbie Stoddard, founder of the Alternative ASEAN on Burma. It was really um, moving to hear that the labour movement, the activism in Thailand um, has been inspired by Burma, but the reality is that many, uh, if you look at the three-finger salute that was used in uh, the civil disobedience movement and the general strikes in Burma, that actually was inspired um, by uh, activists in Thailand because it was the Thai activists who first started using that several years ago. Um, it's also important to understand the links between COVID and migrant labor and how some of those collect connections may have emerged. So um, we have to understand that uh, when COVID hit uh, the world and hit Thailand, a lot of migrant workers uh, left 
they were they lost their jobs and they went back across the border to Burma. And a lot of the migrant workers are actually young people who would have been exposed and been engaged also, uh, been exposed to activism in Thailand. So when we see a lot of the young, young people on the streets, especially workers, um, many of them were actually former migrant workers who had to come back to their countries because of COVID. So you can see that that, um, that connection um, between two movements is very, very strong. Um, it is not just a matter of geographical um, uh, proximity. It's also the understanding that Thailand uh, is, uh, has been, and has been um, subject to many military coups in its history. Now, when we talk about um, the human rights movement and the resistance to the military coup in Burma, Burma, Myanmar, we need to understand one thing. The coup is not complete. What we're seeing on the streets is basically a big push by very diverse people, including workers and labor union organizers to uh, to overturn the coup, to prevent the coup from being completed. The military junta of Burma has now launched two offenses, parallel offenses. It's launched urban warfare on people in the towns and cities um, protesting uh, the junta. And it's also launched airstrikes on ethnic areas along the in, the, in the border areas in Kachin state in the north and Karen state in the east. And it has already threatened to launch airstrikes on Shan state in the northeast. So this is very important to understand that the military has been already engaged in a low grade civil war on ethnic minorities for, for more than six decades. But now it's actually bringing the country to the verge of a nationwide civil war. And, the, uh, and now we see both conflicts, the resistance to military dictatorship and the resistance to a military that has been protected and enjoyed 180% um, um, increase in budget in the past 10 years. Um, it's, it's, uh, it, we're seeing these two struggles um, merging. And what is happening now is that the military has become even more um, brutal. In, in February, the, the coup happened on the 1st of February. Um, the coup happened on the 1st of February. In the month of February, only uh, there were about 50 people killed. We say only now, because in March, more than 500 people were killed. So the, it, within one month, 10 times the number of people were killed. And, uh, and we saw, pe we saw uh, women, but we also saw children being targeted. So this is, uh, and this is because the military junta has lost control of the country. They hoped that this coup that they held on February the 1st, using a Donald Trump excuse, um, would actually play out 
And the same way that the military coup in Thailand played out in 2014, that there were various statements of concern. It was a relatively bloodless coup. A few people died in detention. A few people died from security forces. But then the international community, particularly the corporate sector, went back to business as usual, a position. They were gambling on that, that that would happen in Burma, but it didn't. They did not count on the fact that the young people already recognized. The last time a coup like this happened in 1988 in Burma, it was swift, it was, it was bloody. It, um, the young, we lost a, young genera a generation of young people and there was a military dictatorship for three decades after that. So young people, including especially workers, were not willing to give up the little reforms that they gained in the past 10 years. The civil disobedience movement is one of the leading forces in this uh, struggle, in this revolution. And the civil disobedience movement was initiated by health workers within, within days of the coup. And this is also why um, health workers have been targeted. Health workers have been on a strike. They refuse to work in the government um, hospitals anymore, but they've been out in the field um, providing first aid and um, medical assistance to protesters who are being targeted with lethal violence. Um, and what we've seen is that the military have started, snipers have been targeting medical workers, including nurses. They've been firing on ambulances. And now they've been actually going around arresting doctors um, who are thought to be um, leaders in the civil disobedience movement. It's um, quite amazing to note that on 26th of March, the civil disobedience movement was nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize for this year. And uh, it would have come full circle to um, uh, another uh, Burmese um, nominee who won the Nobel Peace Prize um, more than 20 years ago. Now, what we need to understand from the civil disobedience movement is the military was extremely shocked when they realized and when they witnessed the fact that civil servants, including servants to the rank of director general, went out on the streets of Naypyidaw to protest. Uh, Naypyidaw is a, a, a specially built and designed capital of the country, which was secretly built um, uh, more than 20, about 20 years ago. And, and, and workers, would, civil servants were then just forced to move there. And so that the, the government, the central government will be removed from the general population. But um, it was a big shock to record, to realize that the junta did not have to support even not just of ordinary civil servants, but also of very senior civil servants, including the Myanmar permanent rep to the UN, uh, who um, turned his back on the junta and joined the committee representing the national parliament, which is led, which is compri comprised of 76% of Democrat, of civilian elected uh, MPs, 
who've been managed, who managed to um, form, they're forming an alliance with ethnic armed organizations, which is why the military is ramping up um, their offensive uh, across the country because they're trying to drive a wedge between the ethnic groups, including ethnic armed organizations and um, the uh, CRPH, the committee representing the national parliament that's been able to continue conducting its business in secret despite being, um, being charged with high treason for which they would be subjected to a death penalty if caught. Now, um, in the first month of the coup, the junta declared 16 labor organizations as outlawed. Um, we've now had more than 600 people in the first, first two months of the coup, uh, six, about 600 people have been killed by the military because of resistance. Um, we've had nearly 3,000 people arrested or subjected to arrest warrants, and many of them are trade unionists. Uh, of the people killed, we notice that when we look at, sorry, to go back, when we, when we look at um, how uh, the military has cracked down, we saw that it is the industrial zones and the working class neighborhoods that were the worst targeted for violence. So if you were looking at what happened in Rangoon, Yangon, for example, the townships of North Okalapa, Langtaya, South Dagon, and Shwepita, all migrant, all, all factory areas, they've, uh, they were subjected for, uh, for, with the worst violence. And those areas became militarized zones. As a result, 100,000 workers who came from other parts of the country and migrated there to work have fled the area and have tried to go back, have tried to flee back to their original villages. But despite this, this the sense of struggle is still very strong. In this movement, we've, uh, we've seen um, uh, several hundred workers of the central bank of Myanmar go on strike. The banking sector is almost collapsing because most of the bank workers are out of strike. Um, at one point, the, the, the flights couldn't be, uh, couldn't be done safely because the air traffic controllers went on strike. Um, the, uh, the even workers in military owned the defense factories, even the workers went on strike. In Naypyidaw, the capital, um, workers' quarters, the civil service quarters are being surrounded by military trucks to prevent uh, civil servants from joining the protests and to ensure that they go to work. So now people are being forced back to work, but people, but a lot of the a lot of the the, the labor uh, activists. Um, if they, even if they are forced to go to work, are not working. They're turning up in the workplace, but they're not working. Others have simply gone into hiding. So that's the, the, the I hope that gives you a, a, a picture of what's going on. People have been immensely great, brave. We saw, we saw pictures of the Myanmar railway workers lying across the tracks to stop the trains from running. So we, we, we saw um, a huge amount of, of resistance and resistance that's not stopped, even though um, the military has gotten more violent. 
Thank you. That was Debbie Stoddard, founder of the Alternative ASEAN on Burma, and before her, Hui Yin, a leader representative of the youth movement in Malaysia. And right at the start of the show, Lek Yimpraset, Thai exile currently in Berlin. And that's all we have time for on today's program of Accent of Women. Accent of Women is produced in the Melbourne studios of Community Radio 3CR with the financial assistance of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The show is distributed nationally via the Community Radio Network with special thanks to the Community Broadcasting Association of Australia. If you want to hear this show again or any of our previous programs, you can download the podcast from 3CR's website. That's 3cr.org.au. Go to the Accent of Women page and follow the links to this week's show. If you want to get in touch with the producers of the show, you can write to us at accentofwomen at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter or like our page on Facebook. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Giselle Hanna and I look forward to your company again next week. Thank you.